Aloha. You are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in this episode. We are back with a big episode today. It's Big Board 5.0, our first Big Board update in about two months. And as just a reminder to our listeners today, that how the Big Board is different than Mock Draft, which we did last week. Mock Draft is trying to place players with teams, specific teams that might have an interest, have a need in a particular player. The Big Board ranking is just an overall ranking of who I believe the top prospects in the 2021 NBA draft are. This is based off of conversations with NBA scouts, general managers, and just trying to get a sense of where these guys will land on draft night. It is not tied to any specific team, so you you will see some variations from Mock Draft 1.1. But this is an overall way of sort of gauging where guys are at. I don't think it's perfect. I I actually prefer the tiers concept, which I will do a little bit later uh, in July, where we'll rank every prospect by tiers. But I'll try to give some general overviews of where I think those are right now. And one of the reasons we're doing an update on Big Board 5.0 is that the NBA uh, finally released uh, its official list on uh, on June 1st of who is in and who's out of the 2021 NBA draft. Uh, there was a ton uh, of, of prospects. It was actually pretty interesting. It was a whopping 353 players that declared for the draft. But before you pull your hair out and say, how can there be 353 players declaring for the draft for 60 spots. 161 of those players were college seniors. And so the NCAA offered college players the opportunity to return for an extra year of eligibility eligibility this year. Uh, to do that, the NBA essentially said, okay, so now you have to, if you're a college senior, you actually have to officially declare for the draft if you're not taking that eligibility. And so that's what 161 college seniors did. So it worked out to be about 135 underclassmen, which is kind of on par, frankly, with what we see every year, slight, slightly under. 57 international players declared for the draft. Look, that's still a lot of players. That is 190 players for, you know, essentially 60 spots in the draft. Some of those players have not hired agents yet. They're still trying to keep their eligibility in the draft. And so you'll you'll likely see them not necessarily staying in this draft. Players have until Monday, July 19th at uh, five o'clock to declare their intentions to withdraw from the draft if that's what they want uh, to do. And so that's certainly a possibility for them as well. If you look at the overall list of players who were or who were not declaring for the draft, almost everybody was in. I mean, of the top 40 prospects that we had in Big Board 4.0, the only player that did not declare for the draft that was an underclassman was Arizona's Benedict Mathurin, um, who was at 40. The only other two guys in our top 60 were Colorado's Jabari Walker, uh, UCLA's uh, Jaime Yaquez Jr., uh, who are at 56 and 57. So essentially of the top 60 prospects that we had, only three of them didn't declare uh, for the draft next year, which you know, it's going to be interesting in next year's draft, but it means, you know, essentially everyone is in. And so I want to talk about 
where I'm seeing some shakeup, where we're seeing getting some intel um, from teams about guys that might be rising, guys that might be sliding a little bit. Uh, I want to start at the top with Kate Cunningham, who is been at number one all year and stays at number one in Big, po- big Board 5.0. And I've been resisting the urge all year to say, okay, look, he's the consensus number one pick in the draft. He's he's going to be the number one pick in the draft because there's so much other talent there. There's Evan Mobley, there's Jalen Green, there's Jalen Suggs, uh, there's Jonathan Kaminga, all who theoretically were good enough to potentially lure a team into taking them with the number one pick in the draft. But the feedback that I'm getting now, essentially a little less than two months before the actual NBA draft, is that in virtually every scenario, uh, you're going to see Kate Cunningham going number one uh, right now. And when you look at that and you sort of look at the teams in the lottery and the feedback that you're getting is, yeah, if they get the number one pick in the draft, they're going to take Kate Cunningham number one. He moves into that consensus number one pick in the draft. I, I don't see scenarios right now where he's not the number one pick. However, I will add a couple of caveats because we're still a little less than two months out of the draft. There's still medicals uh, to be done, uh, which could always be an issue. There's still a lot of background work that NBA teams are doing um, right now. And and so could something, could there be a hiccup along the way? Perhaps, but right now I'm pretty confident whoever ends up winning the draft lottery on June 22nd is likely, very, 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 very likely to have Cade Cunningham as the number one pick uh, in the draft. Evan Mobley has kind of moved into that consensus-ish two spot. Uh, he's been two on our big board uh, for a while, and and I think that he doesn't quite have the lock that Cunningham has with the number one pick, uh, and that's because uh, Jalen Green has some fans at number two. In fact, in Mock Draft 1.1, we had the Pistons actually taking uh, Green at two, and there's a couple of people out there still holding on to some Jalen Suggs. Uh, with the number two pick in the draft. But if you were to cast the widest net and say, wh- wh- what would most teams do with the number two pick in the draft? It still looks like Evan Mobley is 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 the right pick in that in that space. Jalen Green moves up one spot from from four to three. And partly is, again, team seeing super high ceiling, best score in the draft, elite athlete, has that real star potential without some of the maybe downsides that some of the other prospects, Suggs and Kaminga, have coming in. Uh, There's definitely teams that have, like I said, Suggs 2 on their board or even Suggs 3 on their board, but it seems to me that the the feeling that I get from the NBA right now is that Jalen Green has sort of moved in uh, to that 3 spot. It's close between 3 and 4 with Jalen Suggs now moving down 1 spot from 3 to 4. And you know, that shine from the NCAA championship starts to wear off uh, for Suggs. Uh, and where I think we kind of thought that, look, in, in most drafts, uh, he's a no-brainer as a top three pick and maybe even as a number one pick in the draft. But this is not most drafts. We have a very, very deep top of this draft right now. And that is why I think you're seeing such a difficult decision for teams about Suggs, Green, Mobley, Kaminga right now. And, and I've, I've heard a lot of feedback from our readers. Like, you know, people are going to look back in this draft in 10 years and be like, how in the world did Jalen Suggs fall to four or five in this draft? And and I think the answer will be looking back. I can't predict the future, but the answer looking back is that all five of these prospects 
really projected out as tier one type prospects, all with different strengths and weaknesses. And maybe what's hurting Suggs more than anything else right now is doesn't have elite size for his position if he's a if he's a two. If he's a one, yes, he does. But you know, as a two, he probably doesn't. And you know, those questions about that jumper, which I think he's really going to need to continue to hone if he is going to be an elite prospect right now, where I think teams are just a little less worried about that when it comes to Jalen Green, who's just the more obvious fit as an NBA two guard. Uh, and and certainly, you know, Mobley and Cunningham, where those just aren't really major concerns. Kaminga sits at five, and to me, Kaminga is the most in intriguing prospect. I'm not really seeing him getting into the top two at this point. I, I don't think that I recall talking to any uh, team about Kaminga that had him rated that high, but everyone says the same thing about Kaminga. Like the ceiling is right up there with Cade Cunningham, with Evan Mobley, with Jalen Green. It's just the scarier floor that has people looking at Kaminga and thinking to themselves, look, maybe this guy, as good as he might be, is also the guy that people look back on and say, how did you pass on to Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green uh, for this guy? Because his developmental curve is a little bit steeper. He's the youngest of the five players, and so you have to take that into account. But I think that is ultimately what the concern uh, is going to be. So that's, look, the top five. They've been that top five for a while. I think that I'm really, really confident that the NBA draft goes in that top five in some order, starting with Cade Cunningham at one, and then some sort of order there with Evan Mobley, two or three, with Jalen Green, either two, three, or four, uh, with uh, Jalen Suggs being you know two, three, four, five, and Kaminga being you know three, four, five, but more likely four or fifth. And, and it's going to go in that order. I really don't see anybody else sort of moving up right now into a space that's going to get them significantly higher than that. So look, when we come back, we'll start talking about the rest of the lottery uh, in Big Board 5.0. We'll talk about some of the other prospects that seem to be moving up or sliding down a little bit. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is a brand new segment brought to you by our partners at Michelob Ultra. It was a tough choice for me to pick this week's Ultra Moment but it has to be Luka Doncic scoring or assisting on 31 of the Mavs' 37 field goals on Wednesday night in a win against the LA Clippers in LA. That means that of 83.8% of the points scored by the Mavs, Luka Doncic was involved either as an assist or scoring, that's the highest percentage in a game in NBA history, regular season or playoffs. And if you're watching Doncic right now, you can see that this guy has taken another step to being just a guy who can carry his entire basketball team in an intense playoff setting against prospects like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and just absolutely dominate the game in a way that we really haven't seen a player dominate in a really long time. Doncic is looking like he is going to be an NBA MVP someday. Uh, he's going to be dominant. It was just a, a blast to watch him carry the Mavs the way that he did on Wednesday night. Go check out tons of other exciting Ultra Moments with hashtag Ultra Moment. Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. 
It's the whole game. And we are back talking big board 5.0, our newest big board ranking the top 30 prospects in the 2021 NBA draft. Next week, we'll be back doing picks 31 through 80. So don't forget to miss that as well. You can read all about this in in-depth scouting reports, our mock draft 1.1, big board 5.0. If you go over to nbabigboard.com. Uh, that's my new website. It also has a newsletter. If you give us your email, we'll be able to send you uh, a column as soon as it comes out. The podcast also gets sent out uh, whenever the, it drops, uh, as well as scouting reports. We're usually doing four to five scouting reports every week. Uh, a big article like our Big Board 5.0 dropping this week. nbabigboard.com. Come over today, put down your subscription. You can have a free subscription. You'll get some stuff free, or you can do a paid subscription. Right now, we're offering a deal, $50 for an entire year. Uh, that's $34 off if you do the monthly $7 a month, which is $84 a year. And so hope you come over, support this. This is going to be more great content coming um, all uh, for the next few months and and then even into August as we start building out the 2022 NBA draft. If you're a draft fan and you really want to dive in deep, really recommend you go over www.nbabigboard.com. We went through the top five picks. Now I want to talk about the rest of the lottery because one guy moved up uh, a few spots. That's Scotty Barnes uh, out of Florida State who moves up from nine to six on this big board. There's not a lot of consensus on picks six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Lots of different uh, orders that you're seeing from teams, but I'm starting to get a bit of a feel for who those guys are. Scotty Barnes is one guy that is just sort of mentioned uh, almost unanimously in that six to twelve range, most likely six to ten range, and probably has gotten the most mentions as the sixth guy. And I think you. You look at him and and see this very unique 6'8", big point power forward is probably the best way to describe him, who has some Draymond Green-esque skills and, and projects to be a really sort of elite defender in the things that he does well. There's enough question marks about his offense that he may not go six, he may slide. Uh, but Barnes, to me, might be the next guy after you talk about those top five players that just really looks like the upside is there. He's got to be in the right team. you got to use him the right way, but just a really intriguing pick. Davian Mitchell slides one pick to seven. Keon Johnson uh, stays at eight uh, out of Tennessee, the shooting guard out of ten uh, Tennessee. Franz Wagner drops a couple of spots to nine. And again, I don't read a ton into it because if you're talking about Wagner, Keon Johnson, Davian Mitchell, or you're talking about Scotty Barnes, I really see all of these guys very, very likely ending up as top 10 picks. We've talked about nine picks right now. What order they're in? Does Wagner go six? Does he go nine? Does Keon Johnson go six? A possibility Davian Mitchell going six out of Baylor, a possibility. But I, I think it's a pretty tight tight fit there. I've put draft ranges as of 6 to 12, but I, I'm getting confident that maybe 6 to 10 is the right draft range for Barnes, Mitchell, uh, Keon Johnson, and Franz Wagner as well. 
After that, it starts to get really interesting again as there's essentially another what I would call tier of players right now that may or may not sort of move into the top 10. It starts with Josh Giddy, the big point guard, point forward, whatever you want to call him out of Australia right now. He's putting up a really strong season in Australia, averaging 11 points a game, 7.4 rebounds a game, 7.4 assists a game, 1.1 steals a game. Pretty amazing for an 18-year-old. Jalen Johnson at 11, a guy that was ranked significantly higher at the start of the season, maybe as high, I think as high as six on our board uh, at one point, who's dropped a little bit with question marks about how he is going to play in a half-court offense and just frankly a 13-game sample size that was a bit small for Jalen Johnson. Alpernin Sengun, the big center out of Turkey, is a guy who rocketed up our board in the last couple of months, in part because NBA teams have been able to go over now to Turkey. They've been able to scout him in person. He's continue, continuing to be absolutely dominant there. He actually won the Turkish League MVP award for the entire league MVP at 18 years old. That That's extremely unusual uh, in Europe right now. And and some have made the argument, and I think it's a, an interesting one, that Whatever his weaknesses are, and there's question marks, he's a bit undersized for a center, he plays really below the rim, Uh, he's got the makings of a perimeter game, but he hasn't really shot it at any high percentage and doesn't take many threes, at least how they play him um, in Turkey right now. He's not an elite athlete, he's not particularly explosive, Uh, he sort of fits the model of an old school center and that is a significant question mark and, and people are concerned about it, but when you get prospects at this level, playing at this level at this age, it's almost unheard of that they don't do something in the NBA, that that doesn't translate to something really big and powerful in the NBA. And so you're looking at him right now, we've moved him up to 12. Uh, His draft range is 10 to 20, uh, but could he get up to that 10 spot? I, I, I think he actually could. Uh, in this draft. Really intriguing to see what teams think about him ultimately when he comes over and starts to work out. Moses Moody is in that next group as well out of Arkansas, the wing that struggled a little bit in NCAA tournament, but shoots the ball, plays defense, uh, draft range 10 to 20. Usman Garuba out of Spain is the other guy that I think will have surprised a lot of people moving up this far in the draft. I've been to be honest, a bit skeptical about him through most of the season because while he's playing on a EuroLeague team and uh, getting minutes, real minutes in the ACB, which is very impressive uh, for a player that just turned 19 years old, the offensive game looked so far away. You just wondered where a team is going to draft. Again, an undersized center. He's 6'8", 220. He does have a 7'3 wingspan, which is which is big deal. It, it makes a big difference there. Where do you draft a guy like that? He's gotten significantly better over the last couple of months of the season. He's starting to do more offensively. He recently had a 24.12 rebound game in an ACB uh, playoff game, which is a big deal again. He won the Rising Star Award in the EuroLeague. And you start to say, okay, look, defensively, is he going to be good enough to be able to not just guard fives, but fours and maybe even threes right now and become a defensive terror in the NBA? 
And is there enough signals now that maybe there's some offensive game there that just uh, Real Madrid didn't really need him to play offense, that suddenly he comes into the picture as a guy that maybe should be going higher in this draft than originally projected. And so I've got him again in a draft range of 10 to 20. And then at 15, it's Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga, the senior, the best shooter in this draft, that may drop a few spots as teams just wonder again about, okay, it could be a Joe Harris-esque type player, but where do you draft a guy like that? Maybe the ceiling isn't particularly high, but again, he has a high floor and can really score the basketball, but can he do other things that allow him to be a high-level starter in the NBA? I think that's the big question right now with Corey Kispert. So he ends up in that draft range again of 10 to 20. So look, when we come back, We'll talk about picks 16 through 30 and do a little preview of what's going to happen next week with Big Board picks 31 through 80. You can listen to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to talk about our new sponsor, rockauto.com. It's a family business that's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. And if you think about chain stores and they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're reliably low. They offer the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I want to talk to you about my favorite protein energy bar. It's Built Bar. And the thing about that I love about Built Bar is it is the most delicious bar that you're going to be able to get. It it tastes like a candy bar. It's significantly more interesting to eat and taste than any other bar that's out there. It has a ton of, of flavors. There's caramel brownie. There's cookies and cream. There's cherry barcia. Lemon almond cheesecake is a favorite. Um, carrot cake. Apple almond crisp is one of my favorites. And then... Those, those are the new flavors, and there's like 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, that's another one of my, my personal favorites, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. They're not chalky or hard. They're actually soft and easy to chew. Uh, they My kids love them. I have to fight my kids to keep them away uh, from the built bars because they they think they're candy and trust me they have never wanted to eat the energy or protein bars that I've ever had before. I, I use them because I'm a runner 
And, and I love them because they give me uh, energy and they, they have low calories, they're low sugar, uh, they're high protein, they're high fi- fiber. If you're on the keto diet, um, which some of my family members are, uh, the, it's, it's great as well. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built Bar. And we are back talking 2021 Big Board 5.0, where we're ranking the top prospects in the 2021 NBA draft. We've talked about picks 1 through 15. By the way, you can go read about all of this over at nbabigboard.com, my new subscription site where you can get emails from me, free updates. There are paid options as well, especially for mock drafts and big boards and what have you. Uh, Right now, running a deal uh, so you can get the entire year for $50. That works out to be about $4 and I think 16 cents a month, which I think hopefully is really worth uh, the quality of work that you're going to be getting, uh, especially over the next couple of months for the draft. And then as we move into the 2022 draft, all the cool stuff that's coming there, that's over at nbabigboard.com. Let's go to 16 where I, I have Jared Butler out of Baylor at 16, he was the most outstanding player in the Final Four. He gave us a little bit of a scare. Like, he declared for the draft, like, at the last possible minute. And there were a lot of question marks about what was going on. Was it going to go back to school? I don't think people totally understood that. There there hasn't been an explanation of why it took him so long to declare for the draft. But ultimately, he did. And I think that if you're looking about instant impact players at the next level, you're talking about... Corey Kispert, you're talking about his uh, his backcourt mate, Davian Mitchell, um, right now. We'll talk uh, in a minute um, about uh, uh, Chris Duarte out of Oregon. These are guys that teams draft because they have immediate needs. They want a, a prospect that can come in and contribute right away. They may not have the ceiling or upside that some of these other prospects we're going to talk about in a minute have, but they just project as really, really solid rotation players in the NBA. And interestingly with Butler, he's only 20.7 years old, so he's actually quite young uh, for a college junior as well. I, I really think given his shooting ability, his ability to play both positions offensively and defensively, he's a really intriguing prospect. Uh, I, I have him in the 15 to 25 range right now, and that just projects that some teams definitely have him lower on their board right now. I I think the Golden State Warriors at 14, which I talked about in Mock Draft 1.1, might be a really obvious place uh, for him to land. Kai Jones drops a few spots at 17. That's basically, I think he was 12th on Big Board 4.0. He slides not because he did anything wrong. It's just hard where there was this projection of him as a lottery pick to actually find teams in that range that are that are leaning Kai Jones right now. And because of that, I think there's a chance he may slide just a little bit. James Booknight out of 18 has been fairly constant there. Uh, You know, ever since he had that elbow injury in mid-February, you know, questions about his scoring efficiency, things like that have have led teams to maybe be a little bit more doubtful. Uh, Zaire Williams moves up. And you know he's he's one to watch really closely. I have him in the 15 to 25 range right now. 
He was not good at Stanford this year. I think he was a major disappointment. Definitely needs to work on his body. He didn't shoot the ball especially well. It's one of those toolsy forwards that didn't necessarily show much of refined tools uh, when he was at uh, Stanford uh, as a freshman. But there's enough teams that are high on his upside. And again, this obsession with 3 and D wings that's happening right now in the NBA that he seems to be just kind of slowly creeping up on boards right now. He's at 19. I, he's one guy that like wouldn't totally shock me if he ends up sort of in the late lottery. Uh, it'll be really interesting. Workouts, I think, are going to be key, key for him. Uh, Sharif Cooper at 20, to me, one of the most dazzling players in this draft. Also one of the most polarizing because of his lack of size. Uh, very shaky jump shot and prone to being a turnover machine but man can he see the floor uh, just as a wizard with the basketball and and just one of the funnest players in this draft to watch be really interesting to see where he goes with those really strong strengths and and weaknesses he's at 20 isaiah jackson another guy that's all over boards right now one of the best shot blockers in this draft a little bit undersized for his position great athlete does he does he do enough offensively he's in the 15 to 25 range Chris Duarte is the other guy that I talked about who I see as an instant impact guy, the guy that comes in and because he's so efficient on offense and such a good defender that can defend multiple positions, teams that are gunning for the playoffs or a championship and really need a rotation player right now because most rookies just aren't particularly great uh, out of the gate. Duarte is one of those guys. He goes much, much higher in the draft if he wasn't going to be 24 in draft night, and that's the big question about him. Trey Mann at 23 just moves up a little bit. Cam Thomas at 24 drops a couple of spots, but again, guys are all over the place. And you know, just one of the things I think is safe to say that this 16, 15, 16, I'll say 16 because I think Corey Kispert goes in the late lottery or soon thereafter so 16 through 25 and now we're at cam thomas at 24 is a real crapshoot about where it is that these guys land that range is big and i think it extends to greg brown at 25 who i've had much higher on the last few big boards on upside i think he has some of the highest upside of any of the prospects in this draft but Again, he just doesn't really know how to to use those tools to really impact a game right now. And if he's struggling to impact at the college level, you can imagine what teams are worried about at the next level of the NBA. But he's so athletic, uh, and it looks like he's going to have a jumper. To me, his draft range is the widest of anybody in the first round. I have him in the 15 to 30 range. Jaden Springer at 26, he drops a few spots as well. I think teams are questioning how his game translates at the next level. I have him now in the 20 to 30 range, but I know a few teams that have him higher. New addition to Big Board 5.0, Trey Murphy III, the big wing out of Virginia, who really, really shot the basketball well. Uh, at Virginia this year uh, is a really interesting prospect again because teams are constantly looking at shooting, size for position, um, what have you. And in his particular case, he shot an incredible 43.3% from three. He shot 92.7% from the free throw line. 
His effective field goal percentage was 63.9. These are all really impressive numbers. He didn't score a lot. He only averaged about 11.3 uh, uh, points a game. You know, some of that again is is Virginia and you know what Virginia is going to uh, do and and slowing down the game. If you look at him uh, in his per 100 possessions, uh, he he looks much much better um, in that range. But he took a he took a, a high enough volume of threes. That again, if you're looking about long, pretty athletic, can play multiple positions, Trey Murphy, a really intriguing uh, prospect as well, and he comes in at 27. At 28, guy that people are all over the place on, Johnny Juzang right now, the wing out of UCLA, uh, who is a really great shooter from three in mid-range. Not sure what else he necessarily brings to the table. Uh, I, I think, again, what you're seeing here later in this draft are are versatile guys that can shoot the basketball, and there's just a need for those type of prospects in the NBA, which is why they go a little bit higher. The last two picks on the board were the hardest to to decide. There were so many players that I could kind of put here, and I know people feel like it's a slight if they're 31 instead of 30. And you know, just to be honest, I don't think there's any consensus right now in the NBA about where these picks now like 25 to 40 maybe like 25 to 45 is that big big range right now so a guy that's listed at 43 could end up in the late first round or a guy that i'm listing late in the first round could end up going much much later uh, than i have them projected right now at number 29 it's io dosumu the combo guard out of illinois that is again another polarizing prospect a guy that could be 10 spots higher 10 spots lower again depending on how teams think about what he translates to the nba he's got speed he's got toughness he's got a really aggressive game he can score the basketball he shot it better this year but is he a point guard he feels much more like a tweener that doesn't necessarily have that one standout skill that really stands out that's why he's where he's at on our big board and a bit polarizing and then at 30 Rokas Yokobitis a guy who was in the running for a rising star player at uh, in the Euroleague last year and is getting actually uh, strong interest from several Euroleague teams right now. So he may not be able to come over to the NBA anytime soon, but is projecting as one of these backup point guards with great feel for the game, that has great leadership instincts, can really pass the basketball. And now it's just the question mark about does his lack of elite athleticism, how much does it hurt him at the next level in the NBA, but a guy that's just a really intriguing prospect. And one that I think has earned a spot in the first round now, which means that the international players, again, are guys that you're starting to see rise as we get closer to the NBA draft. And so you can go over to nbabigboard.com. You can read more about Big Board 5.0. Next week, I'll continue the deep dive. We'll go picks 31 through 80, and we'll start to get even deeper uh, into this big board. And we're getting closer to the draft lottery, to the draft combine, Lots of cool stuff going up, team workouts, lots of stuff that's going to be showing up on my website, NBA Big Board, and on our podcast, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Uh, please check us out. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, go over to nbabigboard.com. Give us your email address. We'll email you updates as they come through. Uh, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.